Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. It is happening. Corbin Carroll is here. Well, he's going to be here on Monday. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, August 29th. Frank Stanfield joined by the Scotty Dub, Scott White. Today on the show, we've got a whole bunch of weekend recap, waiver wire ads, drops, starter sit, and much more. Scotty, how was the weekend? How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing great. What about you? Uh, about to be doing a lot better now that we can talk about Corbin Carroll. I did watch the first episode of House of the Dragon, Scott. Loved it. Thought it was awesome. All right. I look forward to I'll, talking. I'll, I'll get I'll get to it in five years or so. I was going to say, I look forward to talking <laughs> to you about it in like seven years from now. It's going to be great. Uh, anyway, let's lead things off. Even before, oh my goodness gracious, we got to talk about Corbin Carroll. Reportedly getting called up here on Monday by the Diamondbacks. Arguably the top prospect in baseball, 22 years old, first round pick back in 2019. Smaller dude, five foot ten, but definitely packs a punch. Five tool player, an outfielder. This season in the minors, massive numbers: 307 batting average, 24 homers, 31 steals, an OPS up over a thousand. He's 45 percent rostered. Scotty, widely available. And as we said about Vaughn Grissom recently, this might be a league-winning type ad at this point in the season, a little bit over a month left. What are you expecting from Corbin Carroll? And do you agree that he's a must-add? Well, we weren't saying that about Grissom when he first got called up, remember? It, yeah. it just, you know, the the play made it appear that it, it could be the case. And, and that's kind of been the frustrating thing with these prospect call-ups is it's just they've been so hit or miss. Uh, Corbin Carroll, the talent level is so high that, like, I mean, this is a no-brainer pickup, regardless of three outfielder, five outfielder, 10, 12, 15 team league. Everybody should be making a play for Corbin Carroll, and we'll see how it goes. For him, it's gone very, very well at every level he's played at. And it's been, you know, it's it's taken him it's taken it's taken four years. And yet only 142 career minor league games because you had the the season loss to the pandemic. He lost most of last season to uh, to an injury. Uh, only played seven games last year. But even with even with those interruptions, starting out as an 18-year-old, playing through those 142 games, climbing the whole minor league ladder, Corbin Carroll has looked like a premier prospect at every stop. Providing plenty of speed, Good contact skills, good on base skills. The power has really come around, and he would be mine. Uh, well, I mean, 
I presume the Diamondbacks waited this long to call him up so they would have, that he will retain rookie eligibility into next year. So I'm going to go ahead and say Corbin Carroll. I expect him to be my number one prospect going into next year. Kind of depends somewhat how this first major league stint goes, but that's what I'm expecting. That's that's the kind of confidence I have in him. If there is something to question about Corbin Carroll, it's the power. He is a little guy, you know. He's <laughs> he's listed at five foot ten. I don't know. He looks a little smaller than that, even when you watch him play. He doesn't look like this imposing uh, presence at the plate. He's jacked up for a little guy, though, Scotty. Yeah. Okay. He looks little to me. I'll just, I'll just, you, you, you see highlights of him. And you're like, that's Corbin Carroll. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm picturing when I look at the numbers and then see him play. Um, and also like, okay, 24 home runs in 93 games this year. That's mostly split between double A Amarillo, triple A Reno, two really favorable places to hit. And we've seen that with Alec Thomas, you know, Alec Thomas put up good power numbers at both of those spots, and we haven't seen the power so much in the majors. I think, in general, people were more skeptical of the power for uh, for Alec Thomas than they are for Corbin Carroll, but there is some skepticism for, for Carroll, too, in that regard, and I think that's why he's not the consensus number one prospect uh, among all the evaluators. But he is a consensus top three, top four prospect, you know? So, like, everybody likes him. Everybody thinks he's going to be good. Uh, this is, like I said, coming up to the majors after only 142 games in the minors. Didn't play most of last season, but it could go really well. The, 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 you definitely, the talent is easy to see, you know, no, no matter what you're looking for and uh, how, you normally, how, you, how you normally measure talent. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point on the power. MLB.com has a 50 grade on Corbin Carroll's power, out as does Fangraphs for both in-game power and raw power. 50 grade for that, uh, but 65 on the hit tool, 70 on the run. You know, even if the power isn't as great, I mean, we're like the hit and the speed is is definitely there for uh, Corbin Carroll. It's just a matter of whether or not uh, he'll hit the ground running here, or you know, if it will take time, which we've seen obviously with a lot of prospects. How does he rank among these outfielders, Scott, who either just continue to play well in the case of Alars Nupar, who had another home run here on Sunday, or Riley Green and Tommy Pham, who both had big weekends. Riley Green, seven hits, including a home run on Friday, and over his last seven games, he's batting four, uh, 467 with two homers, and then Tommy Pham had six hits this weekend, including a home run on Sunday. So rank those four, Carroll, Riley Green, Pham, Nupar. If this was June, I think it'd be easy to put Corbin Carroll at the top because it's the end of August and you can't really afford to mess around. I I, I know a lot of my head-to-head leagues are already in the playoffs. If, if not, then they're about to begin in the next week or two. Uh, that, might, that might cause me to lean Lars Nupar, number one, if I need the production right now. But that's the only one I'd even consider over Corbin Carroll. Fam would be third and Riley Green fourth. Okay. And that's not <laughs> what 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 have you seen from Riley Green recently? I was gonna say, like, that's not a knock against Riley Green because all these guys are pretty good, but um yeah. are you actually buying this recent hot stretch for Riley Green? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really I feel like it's too early to take anything away from it. Obviously, this was a consensus top five prospect coming into the season, so this this hot stretch could be him coming into his own. But it's 
it's not like with Vinny Pasquantino when he heated up and it's like, oh yeah, judging from the under the judging from the underlying numbers, this makes sense. You know, like mm-hmm. we were we were waiting for this to happen with Pasquantino and it's finally happening. With Riley Green, high strikeout rate, high ground ball rate. Uh, and and he hasn't been running at all, you know, which is something he did a little bit in the minors. So there's really a lot of pressure on the bat, and and between the ground ball rate and the strikeout rate, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take more than a six game hot streak or whatever it is for me to be one over. Last question on Corbin Carroll. I'll throw a few names your way, Scott. Ones that we keep getting questions about whether people could drop them or not. Ketel Marte, would you drop him for Corbin Carroll? Yeah, I don't see much harm in that. I mean, Ketel Marte is not doing much for you. Yeah. Whit Merrifield, same thing? Yep. J.D. Martinez? Yep. And last one, Cody Bellinger? Sure, yeah. All right. Clean sweep. So four bigger names there could uh, drop those for Corbin Carroll. We'll get to a few other prospect promotions that we had this weekend later on, but let's get into, oh my goodness gracious. Oh my goodness gracious. All right, some standouts from the weekend, and unfortunately, it looks like we're going to start with a negative one. Scotty, who you got? I know. It's not, we don't usually go the negative route with, oh my goodness gracious, but this was definitely an oh my goodness gracious for me. Josh Hader. That's right. I'm going to be a hater hater <laughs> here today. Six earned runs in his one-third of an inning against the Royals on Sunday. And, you know, obviously the the Padres removed him. It was about a week ago, right? They removed him from the closer role, the usual. Uh, You know, we're going to give him a break. We're going to give him a break. We know who Josh Hader is, how talented he is. But he needs a break because he's not doing well. Okay. Still not doing well even amid this break, clearly. And, And just to, just to, you know, shine a light on how bad it's been for Josh Hader. He began this season with 19 straight scoreless appearances. His ERA entering June was 0.00. Didn't allow his first earned run till June 7th. His ERA is now 6.52. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's been awful. And like, it's hard to, I, I don't know exactly what's going on. It, it, it's almost like it's a mental thing. I mean, stuff wise, you know, it's, it's not like he's lost a bunch of velocity or anything, but I was watching some of this performance against the Royals. He, he like bounced a pitch two feet in front of home plate. You know, he had one, you know, the catcher had to leap out of his crouch to keep it from going to the backstop, you know, like it, it just, he's just, he's just all kinds of messed up. So I was, my, my stance with Josh Hader was okay. Obviously there's no reason to start him while he he's out of the closer role, but it's going to get this turned around pretty quickly. You want to hold on to him. Like he could, once he gets it right, he could, he could be the best closer in baseball from that point forward. But now I'm, I'm not so optimistic about that. I, I, I do think it's, it is kind of a light switch thing where once he, once he does find it again, he'll probably be fine. But, He's been searching for a while now and, and keeps coming up empty. So I I think at this stage of the season, you know, kind of it depends on how deep the league is, how easy it is to find saves off the waiver wire, all of that. But I mean, it's it's to the point where you might have reason to drop Hater, and I don't think you should necessarily hesitate to do that. 
Yeah, I think a lot of it is mental right now, Scott. I don't know exactly what's going on with Josh Hader, but a 6.52 ERA, as you pointed out, is just bananas based on how he started the season. So 94% rostered is Josh Hader. I think, you know, in like 12-team points league, Scott, where we have Sparps and a decent amount of closer options emerging and just a shallower format in general, yeah, I think you could drop Josh Hader in, in a spot like that. Deeper 12-team, 15-team category leagues... You know, if you have two or three other safe sources, then all right, maybe you can. But I think it's really going to be a case by case basis, uh, depending on your roster and what your needs are, like how much you need saves at this so point. So I, I, I saw going going through my leagues uh, for weekly waiver claims tonight. Um, Clay Holmes out there in one league, and they, they keep saying it's going to be a minimal I, IL stay. That that means if, if that's true, he'll be back Monday. Yep. You drop Hader for Holmes, right? I mean, I know Holmes had been removed from the closer role before the IL stint, but since then, Roldis Chapman on the IL, Scott Efros on the IL. Like, it's they're they're gonna go back to Holmes as a closer. They have to, right? I don't know if it will happen right away, but in a shallower league, yes, I would make that move because I yeah. think you know they get Clay Holmes like one or two appearances as long as he looks like himself. I don't know that those will be save opportunities right away, but I think it has the potential to turn into that very quickly for him. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a move that I would be looking to make. Speaking of the Padres, Scott, on Saturday, Nick Martinez gave up a hit but picked up his sixth save of the season. He's 11% rostered. Do you have a lean in this bullpen? Obviously, outside of Hader, is it Nick Martinez? Is it Luis Garcia, who's pitched very well for the team? What do you think? I, I think, look, I, I, I suspect they're going to keep mixing it around. But Nick Martinez now has back-to-back saves for them, and Luis Garcia was rested for this game. He hadn't pitched since the 23rd. Uh, when was that? Tuesday. He hadn't pitched since Tuesday. So, seems like they're leaning Nick Martinez. Yeah. In deeper leagues, those 15-team Roto leagues, I was looking to add Nick Martinez on Sunday night. I didn't get him anywhere because I have next to no fab left. So, um but for those who do have fab left or just waiver claims, whatever it might be, yeah, I, I kind of like adding Nick Martinez in those deeper leagues. Oh my goodness gracious for me, I got Kyle Bradish here, Scotty, and there was just a few pitchers this weekend. Where did this stuff come from? I have no idea, but let's talk about those names. Bradish had a season-high eight shutout innings at the Houston Astros. He had six strikeouts with 17 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. 13 of those came on a slider, and it's... A pretty good slider. I mean, he leaned all the way into it in this start. He threw it 51% of the time. And, you know, that's only 28% on the season. So nearly doubled his usage of the slider in this start. The overall numbers still don't look good, Scotty, for Kyle Bradish. Swinging strike rate is solid at 10.5%. He's 7% rostered at the Cleveland Guardians this week. What do you think about Kyle Bradish? Well, I mean, if, if if this change in approach sticks it may be the key to unlocking his upside. He basically flipped the the fastball and slider usage, throwing that slider more than 50% of the time, and that the fastball a um, little more than a quarter of the time. When, when normally, it's, it's, it's exactly flipped. So that was an interesting change he made. And yeah, I mean, we've seen pitchers have a lot of success with using their best pitch more. You know, in in all of those cases, it's usually some kind of off-speed pitch like this, and uh, and we've seen them take off. Bradish had good numbers in the minors, especially with strikeouts, and he did this. Uh, who was the opponent again? The Astros. 
Yeah, they did this <laughs> really against a good matchup. opponent. I yeah. couldn't remember who it was exactly, but keep an eye on it. I'm I'm not rushing to add him based on this, but keep an eye on it. The Orioles are, you know, the Orioles are not bad. So if he pitches well, he might get some wins. Yeah, I mean, they are getting the best out of their pitchers right now. Uh, but I mentioned there was a few of these kind of where did these guys come from this weekend type of performances. And Rich Hill turned in a double-digit strikeout start for the first time since May 25th of last year. He was up against the Tampa Bay Rays. He went seven shutout, three hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts, had 12 swinging strikes in that one. And then Adam Aller. Pitches for the Oakland A's, by the way. He has quietly turned in three quality starts in a row, and he threw a gem against the Yankees on Saturday. He went eight shutout. He gave up just one hit, one walk, three strikeouts in that one, and uh, he throws six different pitches, Scott, between 9% and 33% of the time on the season. So kind of like this jack-of-all-pitches, master-of-none kind of situation for Adam Aller. The overall numbers still look terrible, so I I don't know. Maybe he just caught the Yankees on an off night, whatever it might be, but uh, any any excitement for either Rich Hill or Adam Aller? Not really. I, I prefer Bradish to both of them, and I don't yeah. think I gave a ringing endorsement of Bradish. Uh, obviously, Rich Hill has been a fantasy asset in the past. He's really old, and this was only his fourth quality start all year, so I'm not putting much value on it, as good as it was. And Aller, very high fly ball rate, you know, not a not a big strikeout rate at all. He's got a an xFIP of six this year, and like it's hard to get an xFIP that high. It really is. <laughs> yeah, not great. All right, so not doing much with uh, either of those. But while we are talking about it, uh, let's just get into the rest of the waiver wire pitchers from the weekend. Obviously, those other names in much deeper leagues: Bradish, Rich Hill, and Adam Oller. But let's start with the names up top in the more shallower format, Scotty. These are players that are rostered in over 60% of CBS leagues. Reed Detmers had a solid start at the Blue Jays. He went five and a third shutout with five strikeouts in that one. Kyle Gibson turned in a great start against the Pirates. He went seven shutout with nine strikeouts. He is going up against the Giants this week. Detmers going up against the Astros, unfortunately. Alex Cobb had a solid start at the Twins. He went five shutout with seven strikeouts going up against the Phillies this week. And Nick Lodolo... Another quality start here on Sunday at the Nationals. Seven innings, three runs, five strikeouts. And he is at home against the Rockies this week, Scott. I think more than anything, we probably should just focus on matchups at this point, Scott, because, like, you know, we're we're playing it week to week. I don't think we care as much about, like, season-long upside. So in terms of these matchups this week, Lodolo versus the Rockies, Cobb versus the Phillies, Gibson versus the Giants, and Detmers versus the Astros. Who do you like most? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know that I want to completely throw out the rest of season perspective because I, I think, I think the least likely, the one I'm least likely to start at this four next week is probably Reed Detmers going against the Astros, and yet I, I don't want it to. I, I don't think anybody should be dropping Reed Detmers. Agreed. Uh, for for Kyle Gibson or whatever. So. Yeah, if we're just looking at next week, though, I think I would rank them uh, Gibson against the Pirates, Lodolo against the Rockies, Cobb at, uh, no, who's Cobb facing? Who's Alex Cobb facing? Cobb's going against the Phillies, and Gibson, by the way, Scott, is at the Giants, not the Pirates. Okay, sorry, I was looking at who they just started against. All right, 
Let, let me start over. There. <laughs> I don't think Detmers is the one I'd be least likely to start. Okay, so the one I'd be most likely to start is actually Nick Lodolo against the Rockies. Same. Followed by Detmers against Houston, I think. Uh, and then Alex Cobb against the Phillies. Kyle Gibson against the Giants or at San Francisco would actually be last. By the way, Alex Cobb, I wanted to point this out. His past 13 starts since returning from an IL stint for a neck injury, he has a 282 ERA, a 120 whip, 8.3K per nine. But to have a 282 ERA over a 13 start stretch, I mean, he's kind of become who we hoped he'd be very quietly. A lot of those starts are on the shorter side. Mm-hmm. This, even this one at Minnesota was only five innings. Um, but that's, that's partly why I give him the edge over Kyle Gibson there, even if, even though Cobb's matchup is slightly worse. All right, let's get into waiver wire pitchers. Part two, we had Domingo Herman with the longest start of the season at the Oakland A's. He went seven shutout with five strikeouts in that one. Eduardo Rodriguez has allowed just one earned run over two starts since returning uh, to the Tigers, and he is 47% rostered going up against the Mariners this week. I didn't mention for Herman, he's uh, he's at Tampa Bay this upcoming week. David Peterson, strong start against the Rockies. He went six shutout with seven strikeouts. He is up against the Nationals this week. And then uh, Herman Marquez actually outdueled Max Scherzer on Saturday. He had a great start, seven shutout, only one hit, two walks, five strikeouts. He is... At the Reds this week, Scotty. So we've got uh, Domingo Herman at Tampa Bay, Erod at home against the Mariners, David Peterson at home against the Nationals, and Herman Marquez at the Cincinnati Reds. Who do you like most out of that group? David Peterson by a lot. I, I like him most rest of season. I like him most this week going against the Nationals. In fact, I like him more this week than anybody in the previous group. So Nick Lodolo, I had number one in the previous group. I'd, I'd put David uh, David Peterson over him. Now, I am a little concerned because even though Peterson bounced back in his, his second second start back in the rotation, he bounced back uh, with the nice starts, six shutout innings, seven strikeouts. He still threw a slider just 25% of the time. And remember when he was picking up steam before, before getting bumped for Jacob deGrom, back uh, around the All-Star break, uh, a little after the All-Star break. Peterson was throwing that slider more like 40% of the time than 25. So I I feel even better about him if he got that slider percentage up in the start. But the results were good nonetheless, and I, I do think there is some talent there. So he would be my preferred choice here. Ranking the rest, you know, distant second would be Eduardo Rodriguez going against the Mariners, then Herman Marquez at Cincinnati. Marquez has been pretty solid for a while now. I have his last nine starts, got 3.52 ERA during that time. And seven of them were quality starts. Yeah. So he would be next, and then last would be Domingo Herman. I, I really don't see it for Domingo Herman. I, I don't understand. Like, he's had some success recently, but I I don't really see how he's doing that and uh, can't can't really convince myself that it's going to continue. All right, we've got one more group here, and it includes Rowanzi Contreras now has two strong starts in a row. 
made me look foolish because I made him the fortune favors the brave two-star pitcher this past week, and he was pretty damn good. Five shutout innings with seven strikeouts at the Phillies, 17 swinging strikes, massive number there, 12 on the slider for Contreras. Uh, Drew Smiley has allowed two earned runs or fewer in five straight starts. He was at the Brewers. He went six shutout with only two strikeouts. Austin Voth, another really strong start Sunday at the Astros. Six innings, one hit, one run, four strikeouts. Um, he is 23% rostered going up against the Oakland A's this week. Dean Kramer has allowed just four earned runs total over his last three starts. I don't know what got into the Astros this week, this weekend rather. Or maybe it was just the Orioles pitched really well, so kudos to them. But uh, Kramer at the Astros, seven and two-thirds, one run, three strikeouts in that one. And then Bailey Falter had a quality start up against the Pirates. Six innings, three runs, six strikeouts for him. So quite a few names here, Scotty. We got five of them. Uh, Contreras is going up against the Blue Jays this week. Drew Smiley at the Cardinals. Austin Voth versus the A's. Dean Kramer also versus the A's. And Bailey Falter at the Diamondbacks. How do you rank those? Okay, so I'm I'm really having to weigh their upcoming matchups, uh, which is why I'm going a little slower here. Mm. I guess the two Orioles guys, just because they're going against Oakland, have to be one and two. I give a slight edge to uh, to Voth. I think I think Voth has a little bit better bat missing ability than Dean Kramer, mm-hmm. but they're very close. They're very similar. Like the whole. Whole Orioles rotation <laughs> is like that same profile of fly ball pitchers who throw strikes and, uh, you know, won't blow you away with the strikeouts. But okay, I'll go both over Kramer and then Falter would be third and then Smiley and then Contreras. And, uh, you know, what's funny is if we're, if we're doing upside, if we were doing a rest of season thing, it might be exactly backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might be right you know? about that. Yeah. I like Falter. I, I, I talked about him taking Wheeler's place last week, and uh, this is now three straight quality starts he's had at the major league level. And really impressive minor league numbers. We don't have an update, really, on, on what's going on with Wheeler, right? It was kind of surprising that he went on the IL and – as far as I know, it could be a minimal stay or it could be a season-ending injury. We, I, I, we haven't heard anything, right? No, yeah. it's There's not really much going on. Uh, I, I might have had a note later on. Yeah, so he is expected to begin throwing in one to three days from Sunday. Okay, so, okay, so that doesn't sound like a season-ending injury. Yeah. And maybe Falter doesn't have much rest-of-season appeal because of that. So good to know. Yeah, I, just... For Bailey Falter, I did add him in a few deeper leagues just at the Diamondbacks this week. Obviously, they're getting Corbin Carroll, but they have struggled quite a bit against left-handed pitching, so uh, he is yeah. someone I'm interested in. Some waiver wire hitters. Let's uh, take a look at the you know one of the top ones from the weekend. Yandy Diaz has just quietly performed this year. I know he doesn't hit for a ton of power. He doesn't steal bases, but the batting average is really good, and he's awesome in points leagues. He walks a ton. He uh, leads off for the Tampa Bay Rays. So he had six hits this weekend. He had a sock in the shoe on Friday, his eighth homer, his second steal. He's 59% rostered. The problem for this upcoming week, Scott, is that the Rays only have five games. Yeah, that's a problem. He's not among my sleeper hitters for this week, but he has been a few times this year. So in points leagues, he is at 2.81 points per game. And let's see, what's a good comparison for that? That's more than Tommy Edmond. 
Tommy Edmonds at 2.79. It's not, it's not studly, but it's usable. Yandy Diaz in that format, especially at third base, right? (laughs) We talked about it all season. It's really not a good position. So, uh, if you do need someone, I think Yandy Diaz fine. Definitely in uh, points leagues, some middle infield ads. I think, more so for deeper leagues based on the names I have here. Rodolfo Castro plays for the Pirates. He had four hits, including a home run uh, across two games this weekend. His last 15 games, he's batting 327 with three homers and two steals. He's only 2% rostered. David Fletcher had seven hits with a steal this weekend. Uh, he's 11% rostered. He's been leading off consistently for the Angels. And then Isak Paredes had a double dong on Sunday. He now has four homers over his last six games. Might be heating back up doesn't play every day and again the Rays have five games this week so I don't know how excited I can get about it Scott what do you think about those three names yeah we're getting pretty deep here David Fletcher is probably my favorite we've seen him be a viable 12 team guy in the past uh oh he has eight no okay that's strikeouts he has eight strikeouts on the air I was thinking that was (laughs) stolen bases for a second but that you know that's what he does is like he never strikes out so in points leagues especially, it, it bolsters his value. Of course, it's harder to start him in points leagues because lineup sizes are generally smaller. Um, and let's see, the Angels matchup's not so great this week. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really see David Fletcher as a short-term play even right now, but if he stays hot like this, I could see him becoming that, you know, in, in one of the last four weeks of the season. A few deeper corner infield ads from the weekend. Hunter Dozier had a huge game on Sunday. He went four for six with a double, two steals, and three runs scored. Franchi Cordero now has a homer in four of his last six games. Uh, The problem, he's only started four of those. And Trevor Story is now back. He returned on Saturday. And it sounds like Christian Arroyo is going to get some playing time at first base. So I don't know how much Franchi Cordero will actually play moving forward. And then Jamer Candelario had five hits this weekend, including two homers himself. Uh, Scott, I know you had Franchi as a sleeper hitter this week, but yeah, yeah I saw that note. It was something that Alex Cora said that uh, Arroyo will get, quote, a ton of playing time at first base. So, Well, I don't care for that. I mean, <laughs> Franchi Cordero's the left-handed hitter there. Start him against those righties because he keeps homering. He's homered four times in six games, you said, since he came back? Yep. And that was after homering three times in four his final five minor league games. So he's on quite the quite the uh, power binge right now. Yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's only 2% rostered. It's, it's obviously a very deep recommendation. But we're just going to have to see how the playing time shakes out, I think. All right, some deeper outfield ads as well. We've got Joe Adele. He went four for five on Friday with a double dong. 37 games since returning to the majors for Joe Adele. He's hitting 218. With three homers, three seals, a 39% strikeout rate. So it's mm-hmm. it's just not happening right now for Joe Adele, despite that big game on Friday. Uh, Mark Mathias, he is a outfielder with the Texas Rangers. He had seven hits with a home run in three games from Thursday through Saturday. He didn't start on Sunday. He's older, he's 28 years old, but the minor league profile is kind of interesting. Some batting average, a little power and speed. Does a Obviously, a very deep league recommendation, Mark Mathias. Uh, Will Myers had five hits this weekend, including two homers with the Padres. And then Jake McCarthy went four for five on Saturday with two steals and three runs scored. Huge game. He's playing well. I I just don't know 
what they're going to do with uh, the playing time for D-backs yeah. and outfielders moving forward right now that Corbin Carroll's coming up. Uh, I, I don't think they could sit McCarthy the way he's playing. So he's 26% mm-hmm. rostered. He's got seven games this week, but three of them against lefties. So what do you think about those four, Scotty? Adele, Mark Mathias, uh, Will Myers, and Jake McCarthy. I mean, <laughs> McCarthy's playing time is going to be sporadic. It already was. And it's going to be even more so now. I mean, we were we were wanting to see Stone Garrett play more. He started for the first time in five games Sunday and hit a home run. Well, obviously his playing time is going to be less now with Corbin Carroll in the fold as well. So, um, and then uh, let's see, the Padres called up Eggy Rosario. And though he hasn't started yet, I can see that cutting into Will Myers playing time. Like it's just it's just so deep. I, I the only the only leagues I, I play in that are deep enough to care about it. I mean, obviously we've cared about Joe Adele, Joe Adele in the past, but there hasn't he hasn't shown enough apart from this two homer game to make us care about him now. Uh, you know, only my deepest leagues like AL NL only. Yeah, if McCarthy got to play more, that stolen base potential is nice, but I, I think that's only going to become less, as I just said. Mm-hmm. I think. The ideal format for Jake McCarthy right now is daily lineup leagues, right? So whenever he's playing, you could just throw him in there, but he's hitting for batting average. He's stealing bases right now. I wouldn't mind him in some of those daily head-to-head category leagues. That is Jake McCarthy. Before we hit the break, just want to remind everybody once again that the Fantasy Football Today Draft-a-thon supporting St. Jude's Children's Hospital is rapidly approaching. It's coming up this Wednesday August 31st. I believe they're going to be streaming from 6 p.m. to midnight. They're going to do a lot of fun stuff, fantasy football related. They're going to do a draft. They're going to have all different kind of guests on. I'll be on there for like 30, 40 minutes, something like that. So please come and hang out and uh, support charity. And we mentioned that we have a bunch of listings open right now on their eBay store. So right now you can bid on a guest spot on this podcast and you could choose to use it in the off season, draft season, whenever you want to hop on the podcast, you can bid on that right now on eBay. And again, all proceeds going to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And we also mentioned on Friday that we're auctioning off a pre-draft Zoom call for 2023. So, you know, March, around that time, you could talk with Scott, you could talk with me. So there's two different listings and you could choose which one of us you want to bid on. Uh, and we'll hang out for like 20, 30 minutes before your draft and we'll we'll help you figure out your strategy, players you want to target, whatever it might be. So lots of fun things going on right now and it's all for a great cause. So those links are in the podcast and the YouTube description if you want to get in on the action. Let's take a break and we'll hit the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes. Let's start with uh, the big one from the weekend. Justin Verlander pulled from his start on Sunday with right calf discomfort. And uh, I did not see anything more after that, but I will look that up now. Uh, would you take a chance and leave him in your lineup this week, Scotty? Justin Verlander. I, I don't think so. Not unless we uh, get something more definitive. Like, you can't afford to take a goose egg from an SP spot. You know, obviously it depends on the depth of the league too, but mm-hmm. in general, I think I'd sit him. 
So the Astros have off days on Monday and Thursday this week. So they probably can set it up where they could just skip Verlander one time through the rotation if they want to do that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think they're probably going to play it pretty safe here. Clayton Kershaw looks set to return and be part of a six-man Dodgers rotation. He could be back as soon as this week. We don't know for sure when he'll be back. Scott, would you take a chance and start Clayton Kershaw? It sounds like Thursday when roster that Thursday's the day rosters expand by two. And it it's it's that that seems like a likely scenario, but it's not confirmed. So I think I would also play it safe with safe with Kershaw if I could afford to. All right. Trevor's story was activated on Saturday. He went one for three with a run scored. As I mentioned, Alex Cora said Christian Arroyo will be playing a lot of first base moving forward. And Jaron Duran was actually optioned back to AAA as well. Justin Steele. Dealing with lower back tightness will not be eligible to pitch in Toronto this upcoming week, which means his next start will likely come at the St. Louis Cardinals uh, later on in the week. Clay Holmes, as we mentioned earlier, threw live batting practice on Friday, and he seems on track to be activated on Monday. He's 77% rostered, could be out there in some shallower leagues. Totally fine. Uh, dropping Josh Hader for Clay Holmes in you know, those shallower formats if he's available. Hunter Green is expected to begin a rehab assignment Thursday at AAA. He's been on the IL with a shoulder strain, and he's 63% rostered, Scott. Would you be looking to re-add Hunter Green if he were dropped? I mean, not in every single league, but there are there are pitchers more rostered than 63% that I would prefer having I would prefer having Green to them, sure. Is he a higher priority than someone like Nick Lodolo or Reed Detmers? No, he's behind them. So probably in the like David Peterson group? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd prefer Peterson. Um, now, Carlos Carrasco's absence isn't expected to be long-term. That's what got Peterson back in the rotation. He has, let's see, last report is he's going to throw a simulated game Monday. So he's not going to be back this week. Definitely going to get Peterson's next turn. But will he really stick in the rotation all season? Uh, unless somebody else gets hurt, there's... And, 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 you know, obviously that could happen. But if it doesn't happen, then, you know, can't totally count on Peterson being around. So, I mean, we're thinking short-term anyway. I'd rather have Peterson. But that's uh, that, that makes it kind of a close call between him and Hunter Green. Nestor Cortez is optimistic that his absence will be a brief one. Tyler Glass now signed a two-year extension with the Rays on Friday, keeping him under contract through 2024. Jack Flaherty will make his fifth rehab start on Wednesday and is eyeing a return on Labor Day, Monday, September 5th, which would set him up to be a two-star pitcher, not this upcoming week, but obviously the week after that, Scott. Um, were you looking to add Jack Flaherty in any leagues? Because I saw him available even in some deeper 15-team leagues on Sunday night. Yeah, obviously you add them in those, and I have them in leagues much shallower than that, too. Right now, he's still in an IL spot. If you're in a weekly lineup league, he'll... Well, he's not coming back till next Monday, so for this whole upcoming week, he's going to be... Uh, he's, he's going to be uh, somebody you can keep in an IL spot, and there's no reason not to add him if you have a free IL spot. If... You just had somebody go on the IL, like I had Vinny Pasquantino go on the IL in the last week in a couple leagues, and um, you know it was either drop Vinny Pasquantino or drop somebody else who's already in an IL spot. And I think I did drop Flaherty in a league or two. So it's not like a high priority, 
But we all know Flaherty's upside, and while he's easily stashable in an IL spot, obviously you got to make sure that he is stashed. Mm-hmm. 76% rostered is Jack Flaherty. Could be out there in some shallower leagues. Tyler McGill threw a bullpen session on Friday and is scheduled for live batting practice Monday. He sounds like will return as a reliever this season for the New York Mets. JT Brubaker was placed on the paternity list, which means he will not start Monday as expected. Mackenzie Gore is scheduled to throw another bullpen session Monday or Tuesday before facing live hitters in batting practice. Well, facing hitters in live batting practice. I read that wrong. I said live hitters. Um, I hope they're live. Anyway, uh, Mackenzie Gore, um, we could see him later on in the season, obviously traded to the Washington Nationals, but not really a high priority at this point. It appears that Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung have both lost out on their starting jobs with the St. Louis Cardinals. I know uh, Corey Dickerson's really hot right now. Brendan Donovan is heating back up. Scott, is it okay to drop Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung? Well, DeYoung easily. Carlson pretty easily too. I mean, I don't, I haven't understood the Carlson thing for a while now. I like, even when it was the trade deadline and, and the Cardinals were in the mix for Soto and it kept being reported that the hang up was Dylan Carlson. I'm like, why is Dylan Carlson <laughs> the hang up? Like, what? He's a boy, like, I, I buy that he's a more valuable real life player than fantasy player, but like, clearly he hasn't been that valuable in real life this year because now they're beginning to bench him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got some tools, but hasn't really put it together yet. That is Dylan Carlson. Players who went to the IL this weekend, Danny Jimenez went to the 60-day IL with a right shoulder strain, and A.J. Puck picked up his fourth save of the season on Sunday, 20% rostered, so widely available if you're looking for saves. Not that I think the Oakland A's are going to win many games rest of the season. Aroldis Chapman. I, I, I think Zach Jackson is the priority over A.J. Puck in fantasy anyway. He's been... He's it's it's been a bit of a timeshare before Danny Jimenez came back, and um, well, even after he came back, it wasn't clear that he was back in the closer role. But generally speaking, Zach Jackson has filled the higher leverage spot for the A's. All right, other players who went to the IL: Aroldis Chapman with an infection in his leg, Patrick Wisdom with a left ring finger sprain retroactive to August 26th, Jorge Alfaro with right knee inflammation, Cole Reagans with a strained left calf. And Yohan Moncada with a left hamstring strain. He's got any interest in Romy Gonzalez in deeper leagues. He has now let off three straight games for the White Sox. And I feel like he's done some interesting things in the minors when I last. He did played. last year. Okay. Certainly. You know, it's a it's 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 I'm not optimistic. I'll just say that. All right. So pass on Romy Gonzalez. Some other yeah. prospect notes. We had a Quite a few promotions this weekend. Brewers outfield prospect Garrett Mitchell was promoted on Saturday. He was their first-round pick in 2020. He is a 23-year-old outfielder, as I mentioned. Uh, this season in the minors, he was hitting 287 with five homers, 17 steals across 68 games. Scott mentioned Eggie Rosario was promoted by the Padres. He's an outfielder, and it's actually spelled E-G-U-Y. So... Your natural inclination will probably be to call him E-Guy, but it's actually Eggy. And really interesting prospect in the minors this season. 293 batting average, 21 homers, 20 steals, and OPS approaching 900. Uh, the Padres also called up catcher Luis Campusano, uh, and he was hitting 298 with 14 homers and 846 OPS. Scott, where, if anywhere, are you looking to add these three names? Garrett Mitchell, Eggy Rosario, and Luis Campusano. 
I think the most interesting for fantasy purposes is Garrett Mitchell because he could potentially impact the stolen base category. And because, like, yeah, it's it doesn't seem like the Padres are that motivated to play Eggy Rosario. Uh, he, he did have a pretty good steals total in the minors. But Mitchell, like, that's more... That's a clearer part of his profile, I'd say. Like, if he's going to be good in the majors, it's going to be partly because he steals bases. He might only play against right-handed pitchers, uh, and he probably won't provide much power. There was some hope he could grow into power when he was first drafted a couple years ago, but it was it was going to take an overhaul of his swing because he puts the ball on the ground a ton. Like, it's clear he was coached in college to take advantage of his speed, the dirt and beating the, the rap to first base. Cause his ground ball rate is off the charts. <laughs> so I, I think he, I think Mitchell, he's really only worth pursuing in those five outfielder roto leagues. And then the others, you know, probably not at all have to be in a really deep league. All right. Kate Cavalli, made his debut on Friday and he will make another start this week against the Oakland A's. He did he got roughed up in his first outing. He gave up seven runs over four and a third. Actually, I think it might have been six runs. I might have wrote that down wrong. But anyway, it wasn't a great start. He did have 13 swinging strikes. He had six strikeouts, uh 24% rostered. Scott, what'd you see from Cade Cavalli? Are you looking to add him anywhere with this matchup against the Oakland A's? No, I mean that's that's too big of a leap of faith for me given how poorly this first start went. There's definitely talent here. Like, I, I think he has a bright future, but, you know, growing pains. Yeah, Got to give him a chance to go through them. Uh, it actually was seven earned runs, so all right. <laughs> a little bit worse than I thought. Uh, a couple other prospect notes. Mets catcher Francisco Alvarez is dealing with a right ankle injury at AAA, and he could be done for the season. Rangers prospect Dustin Harris dealing with a sprained left wrist and... Also expected to shut it down rest of season. Starters sit these banged up players. Ronald Acuna was out the last two games with knee soreness, but expects to return on Tuesday. Yep. So they saying he's expected to return. I'll go ahead and start him. All right. Eloy Jimenez sat on Sunday with soreness in his right leg and just seems like he's been dealing with this leg injury all season long. Yeah, they may have to keep him at DH once he's back. He's, he seems likely to return Tuesday. You know, they got an extra rest day built in there on Monday, but it's not as definitive as Acuna. So in shallow three outfielder leagues, I might consider setting Jimenez, but for the most part, I'm okay starting him. Jordan Alvarez is dealing with left-hand soreness. It was previously his right hand that was giving him issues, Scott. What do you think about Jordan? Always with this guy. Always. <laughs> um, man, he could be so good, too. I think... Look at that stat I saw on him because the the hand, I guess both of the hands have been an issue for a while now. Only four extra base hits in August for Jordan Alvarez. That being said, probably start him. Doesn't sound like he's going to miss much more time than this. Brandon Lau is dealing with a right elbow contusion and has missed two straight games. What do you think about him? He sits a lot anyway, so yeah, let's set him. All right. Jorge Polanco missed Sunday's game with knee soreness. Mm, he's good. I don't think you're missing much by sitting him, too. Obviously, you have to have a replacement at either of the in middle infield spots where you're starting him. Luis Robert has now missed three straight with this left wrist issue, which seems like a pretty big problem. Yeah, I'd lean towards sitting him. All right. How about these starting pitchers? 
starter sit. Joe Ryan put together his first scoreless start since April 27th, and he was up against the Giants. He went six shutout with eight strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes. Slider velocity was up a little bit in this one. Uh, did give up a good amount of hard contact, but the problem, he's going up against the Red Sox this week, Scott. What do you think about Joe Ryan? It's not a must to start him, but it's it's not a flat no either. It just depends what else you have. I, I'm okay with it. Okay. Edward Cabrera, unfortunately, my guy, knocked around by the Dodgers on Sunday, which many pitchers do this season. Yeah, I saw, I think the Dodgers are now 50 games over 500. They're 88 and 38 on the season, which is just crazy. I think they're on pace for 113 or 114 wins there. Oh, yeah. Historic season for the Dodgers. They are so, so, so good. Uh, And it's just naturally a bad start for Cabrera because the Dodgers are really patient and then they hit the ball a ton. And so, yeah, rough matchup for him. And the problem for Cabrera, as much as I like him, only 51% started right now. He's at the Atlanta Braves. Got it. I think I would look to get Cabrera out of my lineups this week. Yeah, I'd lean no as well. Uh, in in a categories league, uh, you, you might have to weigh, okay, do I need strikeouts more, wins more, or do I need ERA and whip more and, and make your decision based on that. But there's definitely the potential for the Braves to do something similar to what the Dodgers did against him. The Braves do strike out a lot, though, so it could. I, I could see it going either way. Okay, let's get into a few pitchers' duels from this weekend. It's time to do, 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 do. Shohei Otani at Alec Manoa. Otani was awesome. Seven shutout innings with nine strikeouts. He had seventeen swinging strikes. His ERA is now down to two point six seven. He's got one hundred and seventy six strikeouts over one hundred and twenty eight innings pitched. Just. An absolute massive strikeout total for Otani this season. And Alec Manoa on the other side, uh, he had, for some reason, I didn't write down his actual line, but he had 14 swinging strikes, so I could tell you that. I think he went seven yeah. innings, one run, uh, 14 swinging strikes, and his ERA for the season, 2.60. It's been a really good season for for both of these guys. Scotty, anything you'd like to add on Manoa and Otani? Eight strikeouts in those seven innings for Manoa, one earned run allowed. The velocity on his fastball was down 1.1 miles per hour, so it was yeah. interesting that you know he was so effective. Obviously, the Angels have been a good matchup, though they do have Trout back now. Uh, nothing really to major to take away. You know, Manoa, we've wondered at times if he was beginning to fade as he enters uncharted territory with the innings, but I, I don't see crystal clear evidence of that. Alrighty. The other pitcher's duel that I saw, Sandy Alcantara up against Dustin May, and Alcantara was just amazing. His last time out, he was up against the Dodgers, and he got rocked. So you know what he does this time? He just goes out, throws a complete game, six hits, one run, 10 strikeouts. He had 19 swinging strikes on 111 pitches. 10 of those came on the slider, which he leaned into in this start. He threw it 34% of the time. It seems like if Sandy Alcantara wants to be more of a strikeout pitcher, he probably could if he would just throw the slider more. It's just, I think he likes pitching to contact so he can go deeper into his starts. Uh, but yeah, now he has four complete games on the season. That's more than any team combined this year, which he's just awesome. Uh, and then Dustin May on the other side, he went six innings, two runs allowed, four strikeouts, uh, 11 swinging strikes in this one. And he's at the Mets this week, Scott. Would you start Dustin May in that outing? I'd be fine with it. I wouldn't call him a must start, okay. but I'd be fine with it. 
Anything on Sandy? Not really. I think he's good. <laughs> really, really good. good. By the way, <laughs> understatement. So we're doing the Scott White Dynasty League um, consolation bracket right now. We're kind of you know depending on how you how the how this shakes out, right? Like this loser bracket, yeah. it will determine your your draft spot in the first year player draft, which obviously is a pretty big deal in dynasty leagues. I was winning all week, Scott. Then Sandy Alcantara happened. The person I was oh. going up against, he put up 33 points on my head in the Scott White Dynasty League. And uh, um. I had two starts to his one on Sunday. And I think I was down by like three or four points. So I'm like, all right, I got a shot. Kohei Arihara gives me negative 10 and a half points. This I is a 20, you, Frank. This is a 24, 24 team Dynasty League. So I, yeah. I, I got some scrubs in the lineup, admittedly, you know. But, so you're you're going to be the only higher seeded team, like better seeded team, to lose in the consolation bracket in round one of consolation bracket. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Appreciate that. Stinks. That. Yeah, <laughs> you, you will now not have one of the first eight picks. Oh gosh. In the minor league draft next year. Yeah, uh, I think I had ninth or tenth last year too. So, whatever. <laughs> I'm already used to it. Some pitching standouts, part one, other names from the weekend. Freddie Peralta pitched six no hit innings up against the Cubs. He had five strikeouts. And I did notice the velocity down a little bit, nearly one mile per hour on the fastball. His curve was down two miles per hour. The slider was down 2.6. So, you know, don't like to see that, but he still managed to pitch really well in that start for Freddie Peralta. Spencer Strider has allowed exactly one earned run in three straight starts. He was at the Cardinals. He went six innings, one run allowed, seven strikeouts in that one. And then Garrett Gold picked up his seventh double-digit strikeout start of the season. He went seven and a third, one run allowed, 11 strikeouts in that one. Uh, Scott, anything you'd like to add on Peralta, Strider, and Garrett Cole? I hate to keep saying no, but hey, that's fine. I, I, I guess you know we've we've been harping on Freddie Peralta's walks coming back from the IL. He actually has a lower BB per nine rate than he did last year, when obviously he was great last year. So I think I don't think there's a lot to worry about with Peralta. He's fine. Okay, standouts part two. We've got Shane Bieber. At the Mariners, he went seven innings, two runs allowed. One of those were earned, nine strikeouts to zero walks. Brandon Woodruff had a double-digit strikeout effort at uh, up against the Cubs. He went six shutout with 10 strikeouts to just one walk. And then Luis Castillo posted his third double-digit strikeout start of the season up against the Guardians, six innings, one run, 10 strikeouts, and that one 21 swinging strikes for Luis Castillo. Scott, anything on these three? Bieber, Woodruff, Castillo. I can point out that in his past six starts now, Shane Bieber has a 156 ERA, a .92 whip, and 9.6 K per nine. All right. So he's been very good. Yep. Standouts part three. We've got Julio Arias. He was at the Marlins. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. Max Scherzer had his sixth double-digit strikeout start of the season. He was up against the Rockies. He went seven innings, one run, 11 strikeouts there. Dylan Cease, another dominant start. At home against the Diamondbacks, he went eight innings, two runs, eight strikeouts in that one. And then Robbie Ray just keeps chugging away. Another strong start against the Guardians. Seven shutout with seven strikeouts for him. Anything here, Scotty? Robbie Ray, Dylan Cease, Max Scherzer, Julio Arias. It was a nice bounce back start for Cease because remember his previous two were both short. He allowed a combined seven earned runs and ten and a third innings. 
So he is, I don't think anybody was saying he's not a top 12 pitcher anymore, but he is not losing steam, apparently. All right, the call to the bullpen will start with the Marlins. On Friday, Tanner Scott entered with a one-run lead. He gave up a solo homer to Mookie Betts. And actually, no, I lied. There were hitting standouts. You know what? Mookie Betts, I wanted to mention a lot earlier in the show, and I just completely missed it. He was going to be my, uh, just a little shout-out for, oh my goodness gracious, monster weekend for Mookie Betts. Eight hits, four homers, a double dong on Friday, a steal. He's now batting 281. He's got 31 homers, 12 steals. And I think shaping up's got to be probably a top-five pick once again in fantasy next year. That is Mookie Betts. You know, he's only one away from his career high in home runs now. Wow. Mookie Betts, a guy who, gosh, he'd have to fall flat on his face to miss out going to the Hall of Fame at this point, I would say. And um, he's won an MVP before. But yeah, one away from his career high. Awesome. Awesome stuff for Mookie Betts. But other hitting standouts that I wanted to highlight here. Uh, Mike Trout has four homers in his last five games. Back looks pretty good for now. Nate Lowe had two more homers this weekend. He now has six home runs in his last 10 games. He's up to 85% rostered, and rightfully so. Uh, the batting average also now up to 300 for Nate Lowe on the season. Ian Happ had a double dong on Friday. He now has 15 homers and seven steals total. Christian Yelich had eight hits and two home runs this weekend. Over his last 12 games, he's batting 383 with three homers, a 93.8 mile per hour average exit velocity. The problem, 56% ground ball rate during that time. Corey Seager had a double dong on Sunday. He is now up to 28 home runs as well. Also now, a career high. Nice, yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, uncharacteristically, his batting average has been lower this season. Uh, 256, I, I saw that he's now up to, but his XBA has been much better all season. So that's yep. just something to pay attention to in the offseason. If Seager doesn't get that batting average up to where it should be, he you might get him at a suppressed cost just because, you know, People see that yeah. overall batting average not being great. I still think we haven't seen the best of Corey Seager yet. I think he has great. a genuine MVP caliber season in there yep. that hopefully one of these years will come to fruition. All right, some bullpen updates I already mentioned for the Marlins on Friday. Tanner Scott gave up a game-tying home run to Mookie Betts. He then loaded the bases via walks, and then Cole Sulcer entered, and he gave up an RBI single to Justin Turner. Uh, I, I still feel like they should go to Dylan Flora at some point, but Don Mattingly loves him from some Tanner Scott. For the mm -hmm. Phillies on Friday, David Robertson pitched in the eighth inning with a two-run lead. He was facing the top of the Pirates lineup, and then Brad Hand pitched in the ninth, and he picked up his fifth save. Um, Brad Hand was actually a name I, I was targeting in some of those deeper category leagues here on Sunday night. I'm just so desperate for saves. It's, it's rough out there, Scotty. Uh, for the Red Sox on Friday, Garrett Whitlock... Pitched a clean ninth for his sixth save. He is 56% rostered. And then on Saturday, uh, John Schreiber recorded the final four outs for his fifth save of the season. I think it's mostly Garrett Whitlock, Scott, but I guess they're yeah. still going to mix and match a little bit. Well, he had recorded three of four for the Red Sox prior to that Schreiber save. And for the Schreiber save, I believe I believe he had worked three of the previous four days. So he, he was... He needed a day off. Whitlock did. Okay. For the Rangers on Friday, Jonathan Hernandez pitched the eighth inning with a three-run lead. He was facing the heart of the Tigers lineup, four, five, and six. And then Jose LeClerc actually came in in the ninth. He gave up two runs but picked up his second save. 
Do you think maybe Hernandez is more of the higher leverage reliever, Scott, and, and we start to see LeClerc mixed in a little bit more? I don't think we're going to see enough of that to care about LeClerc. Okay. Uh, it is worth noting that on Sunday in what was a one-run loss for the Rangers, Hernandez worked the ninth with Matt Moore working the eighth and Jose LeClerc working the seventh. So I, I do think... I do think Hernandez is still the only Rangers reliever worth having in fantasy. Okay. For the Cubs on Friday, Brandon Hughes gave up a game-tying solo home run in the ninth inning, and then it was Manuel Rodriguez who picked up his first save of the season in extras. Uh, Scott, Rowan Wick was someone that I was actually looking to drop on Sunday night just because they're using multiple relievers. The Cubs aren't great. Uh, Wick's been pretty bad recently. What do you think about him as a drop? I mean, it, it depends how scarce saves are in your league. If you're pursuing Brad Hand in your league, you probably shouldn't drop Rowan Wick. <laughs> right. I, I would say that Brandon Hughes is the Cubs reliever to have right now, but Wick is not that far behind. So I actually wound up dropping Rowan Wick for Nick Martinez. Is that something you can get behind? Yeah, it's close, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. For the Yankees on Friday, Wandy Peralta gave up a run but picked up his third save. Again, sounds like Clay Holmes will be back on Monday. For the Angels on Saturday, Jimmy Herget pitched the final two innings for his third save, and uh, it seems like they've really been mixing and matching a lot too, so I don't know that there is a singular name to own, Scott, from the Angels' bullpen. I would still guess Ryan Tapera, but yeah, it's a mess. Tapera wasn't available for this series because uh, it was in Toronto. Yep. For the Padres on Saturday, we mentioned Nick Martinez picked up his sixth save. For the Nationals on Sunday, Carl Edwards pitched the eighth inning once again, and Kyle Finnegan picked up his eighth save. He is 31% rostered. For the Astros on Sunday, Rafael Montero gave up a run but picked up his ninth save. Ryan Presley is currently on the IL, uh, and Montero is 38% rostered, so pretty widely available. For the Tigers on Sunday, Gregory Soto recorded just one out in the ninth. He gave up three earned runs. Uh, Joe Jimenez recorded the final two outs for his second save of the season. To stream or not to stream, Monday is a very light day of action, Scotty. And we have Brian Bayo at the Twins, Jose Suarez versus the Yankees, and Ranger Suarez at the Diamondbacks. Ranger Suarez at the Diamondbacks is the only one to look into there. For some reason, I always associate Ranger Suarez with the Diamondbacks, too. I, I don't know why. I do that with two pitchers. I Ranger Suarez, I think Diamondbacks, and Miles Michaelis, I think Marlins. Neither one of them has anything has had anything to do with those organizations, but like my mind wants to say that's who they're with. I don't, hmm. I don't get it. You think Ranger Suarez, I think Rangers, right? Yeah. I just realized he's 90% rostered, so he's probably not really available in any leagues. But It uh, is weird that he's rostered in that many leagues though yeah yeah surprising i guess he yeah. was a two-star pitcher this past week so that's probably why wait no i lied he's pitching on monday that doesn't make any sense all right forget <laughs> what i just said on tuesday we have spencer Watkins at the guardians dakota hudson at the reds eric fetty versus the a's matt manning versus the mariners adrian hauser versus the pirates and mitch keller at the brewers matt manning against the mariners uh, I mean, you should you should pick him up in any format for this week because he has a second start against the Royals, mm -hmm. and he's coming off the best two starts of his career with hopefully a fixed slider, sort of like Reed Detmers. 
I don't really care for any of the others. If you forced me to start one, it might actually be Eric Fetty against the athletics, but not not something I'm eager to do. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.